Good evening. How's everyone going? Might just pray again. I feel like I need some help. Um, Father God, I just pray that tonight uh, you'll be glorified in this message. Lord, that uh, our hearts and our ears would be open to hear you. Uh, Father God, may you be uh, glorified uh, in this place. Amen. About uh, two and a half years ago, I was uh, studying at Ridley College. It's a Bible college in Melbourne. Um, And after an Old Testament lecture, I was making my way to the library um, to do a little study, would you believe? And as I began to walk, I felt this little twinge of pain in my back. And I kind of like, you know, tried to straighten myself out a little bit. And in a couple more steps, like the little twinge had turned into this like shooting like pain that kind of went into my legs. And I found myself like buckling to the ground and just lying on the footpath, like where people kind of walk around the Ridley College. And um, the big, I just, and I think uh, the moment it happened, I just wasn't quite sure what was happening. I've had a little bit of back pain, but nothing, nothing quite as extreme. And it was all my strength that I could try and get myself off the ground and walk um, to a room. I found myself in the, the bookshop, lying down there, and, and even to kind of move a little bit would just shoot pain like into my legs. And uh, it began uh, this horrible, horrible kind of moment, horrible pain saw me through about a week. And for this week, I couldn't stand or sit for more than like two minutes at a time without the pain just like ripping through my body. And when I stood up, I was like this. I don't know, probably more like this. I don't know, something like weird. And it was just like, how do I get straight? <laughs> I'm in a lot of pain. How do I kind of like, you know, find alignment? You know, because it was just, the pain was frustrating me. Um, I can remember uh, in the middle of it, I just wanted to know what was going on with my back. Um, so I tried to make my way to uh, a place to get a CAT scan uh, to see you know, what was actually happening. And uh, I can just remember driving and then in a car just going like, oh, my pain is like incredible. And I was trying to drive down the road and probably wasn't concentrating fully. And I pulled into the, the driveway of the medical imaging place uh, where you do your CAT scan. And I kind of just got in there looking for the first car park and I swung left and there was this pole that was like just the height of the window. And I think they must have been gonna put a, a little stand on top, one of those ones where you'd pop your card in and you'd, you know, you'd go through the boom gate kind of thing or whatever. And so it was just under eye level and I'm going, like, I just gotta get a park. And it was like crunch and went, pole, what's the pole doing there? And it was just a, a bad day. And I'm not normally a, a litigating kind of a person, but I thought, man, I'm just gonna get my money back. I should be suing this joint, you know, for the, my car damage. I kind of got over it. But I was in so much pain just from just being out of alignment. It was terrible. And I can just remember being desperate to kind of, you know, kind of get realigned so that it wasn't, my back wasn't hurting me so much. Ended up being a disc bulge for those of you medical people out there. And um, tonight's message, it's the last in the, the series of James. It's our last passage in James. And And I think what he's addressing now is like we've had a series looking at all these issues of people who are in a sense out of alignment with God's will. You know, so we've had all these 
issues going on. And he's kind of saying, well, here's a final thing to help you out, to find kind of alignment, to kind of relieve your pain. And so we know that we've, we've heard things, and maybe, maybe you can recall some of these things, that we're out of alignment, some of us, because we're too friendly with the world. Some of us are kind of out of alignment because we can't control our tongues and we use our words to tear people down and cause division. And some of us are out of alignment because um, we're kind of selfish and indulgent when it comes to the way we use our wealth. Or if uh, the last thing from last week was that maybe we're out of alignment because we need to learn patience in times of suffering. So tonight, the picture is of a Christian who is kind of like this. Am I right? Bit of pain going through me here, you know. And James is saying, well, I want to show you the way of how to kind of straighten back up. You know, how to get in line, if you like, with God's will for your life. And whether or not we know it or not, we're in pain. We're in pain if we're not in line with God's will for our life. You know, and the pain might be things like you don't enjoy the beautiful presence of God in your life at the moment. Or you don't enjoy uh, knowing the perfect forgiveness that Christ offers you. Or you don't enjoy or know fully the help God wants to give you in every, every aspect of your life. So in this final passage, James is providing the answer to the question, how do we find alignment? How do we line ourselves up with God's will for our life? So if you've got your Bibles there, um, let's turn to James chapter 5, and uh, it's verses 13 to 20. says, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. It's a tough passage. Those who have just received the letter, they've had all these challenges laid on them. How to kind of get right with God, how to submit to God's will, how to align your life with God. And we know that James has just been pretty in your face with this kind of matter. Now he's leaving them with the key. And it's got total relevance. It's got total relevance for us 
if we want to line ourselves up with God's will. So verse 13 and 14 says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. It's the full spectrum of life's situations that we have that James just covers here. You know, he's got life is bad. Life is kind of troublesome for you. You're sick. Or if life is happy and joyful. He's got all the extremes. And he says in every one of these situations in your life, what do you do? Turn to God in prayer. Align yourself to God. If you're in trouble, pray. If you're happy, pray. Praise. If you're sick, call for the elders of the church to pray for you. Every situation, every situation is an opportunity to turn to Jesus, to turn to God. So I don't know, like here's some, it's pretty practical, it's pretty straight down the line. You know, what's troubling you at the moment? What's an opportunity for you, for me, to actually turn to God in prayer? Uni exams, assignments, always a good one for praying to God. Are you fighting with friends or family? You know, pray to God. Are you struggling financially? Are you troubling? Is it your self-image troubling you? You're just worried about that. Are you troubled by feelings that you're useless, that you're worthless? Are you finding it hard to follow Christ? Failing at living for Jesus every day? Have you got no self-control? Accusations of Satan bogging you down? James says, if you're in trouble, anytime, it's an opportunity to turn and pray to God. Align yourself with God. Well, maybe it's not you. Maybe you've got the perfect life. And for you, maybe it's you're happy or anywhere in that kind of in-between, if you like. You know, have you, got, have you found forgiveness? Is your relationship with God just going to great guns? You pray and you know God's real. You know, you're reading the Word and it's just exciting. You know, you've got great friends. You've got loving and compassionate people around you to support you. You just finished an essay. You're going on a holiday tomorrow. That's me. <laughs> Praise God. Turn to God in times of joy, times of happiness, and praise God. It's an opportunity to turn to God. It doesn't matter if you're having times of trouble or happy. And if you're sick, we'll go into this a little bit more in a moment, call the elders to come and pray for you. So how do you go? How do we go, you reckon? How do we go with that? Do we, are we good at that, do you think? At, in all situations, turning to God and, and aligning ourselves with Him. I don't know about you, but for me, it's, prayer is a funny thing. I know it's really important, but it's like the last thing, the last option I'll turn to. Does anyone resonate with me here? It's like, you know, you've got all these things, you try really hard yourself to do something, you know, it's, they, nothing works, and you finally pray. And you kind of go, oh, that was great. Why don't I do that at the start? Why don't I just, just pray at the start? 
And I'll go, okay, mental note, do that. And then the next time it's like, oh, here's a trouble. And I'll try and work it all out, trying to sort it all out. And then it's like, it's not working, it's not working. I'll pray. And it's like, oh, why don't I do it at the start? I've got a very short-term memory. In every situation, James says, turn to God. Align yourself to God in prayer. And he goes on, James, and he goes on to elaborate uh, about praying for the sick person in verses 15 and 16. So we know the instruction, you know, you're crook, you're sick, send for the elders to come and pray for you and anoint you with oil. And it says, verse 15, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Okay, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. It's, an, it's a very interesting one. It's very interesting. The question that we might be thinking is, well, will everyone be healed when we pray for them? That's what it's, is it say, it's saying, that, isn't it? Like, prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Will everyone be healed? And if they're not healed, if they're not healed, what's happened? What's happened if they're not healed? Are they not healed because we haven't got the faith? You, know, you might have heard this around the traps, you know, like, oh, they're not being healed because you haven't got the faith. Or is it because there's unconfessed sin? They're not healed because they're kind of holding something back. It's a very tough question. My response is that for some reason that only God knows, sometimes God chooses to heal and sometimes God chooses to not heal. For example, um, the Apostle Paul, uh, a great preacher of the gospel, he had an affliction. They called it his thorn in his side. No one really knows what the thorn in his side was. But he prayed to God that God would remove it from him. And it troubled him. And he just asked God on several occasions to take it from him. And then God chose to leave it with him for some reason. And you, you might know people um, that have been miraculously healed by God. Now you pray and there's this healing. And it's like, wow, God is amazing. But then this person over here, that person gets prayed for and, and nothing. God doesn't choose to heal them. Now, I think we should desire for healing. We should long for God to heal us, to heal people of uh, terminal diseases. We should long for that. But I think in the midst of it, it's our opportunity to long for what God wants to actually align ourselves with what God wants for this person, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Now, if the common issues, you know, lack of faith and unconfessedly, let me look at, just talk briefly, really briefly on that. I think that they can be issues sometimes, our lack of faith and unconfessed sin. I don't deny that. I think they are issues. So if we choose to pray for people who are really sick, and uh, nothing's happening, I, really, I truly believe that we should, we should really examine ourselves. That we should actually say, like, God, search me. Search me and know if there's any weird uh, thought in me, you know. Am I sinning? You know, like, 
you know, kind of like, help me believe, take away my doubt. You know, if, if I'm sinning, Lord, I, I, I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. You know, confess your sin. I think we should truly do that. Verse 16 reads, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I think it's key to the process. I think the presence of doubt and unconfessed sin will hinder healing. That's what it's saying. But we must also know that even if we don't doubt, even if we have confessed all our sin, that sometimes God says, I choose not to heal this person. And then we must trust that God in his sovereignty and knows more than what we do. We must align ourselves with him. We must uh, turn and submit to his will. So every situation, every situation is an opportunity to kind of turn to God in prayer. That's pretty straightforward. Now, I reckon prayer is a funny thing. I think some of us here might just think that praying is a waste of time. Kind of like I think that washing the shower is a waste of time. Does anyone agree with that? Like, surely all that water that's going through it would wash it out. There's a lot of fungus in our shower, though, and Michelle wants me to clean it out anyway. (laughs) Just confessing my errors there. Is praying a waste of time? Is praying a waste of time? I'll tell you why it's not. A few things, three things to be precise. There's probably more. This is not an elaborate list. First, prayer is the way we actually turn to God for help. This is where we actually humble ourselves and go, I need your help. It's so basic, yet so hard to actually do for uh, proud people like ourselves. That's probably why I always do it at the last minute, you know, after I've exhausted my own means, then I finally humbly go, I can't do it, God. Please help me. Prayer's the way we turn to God for help. So if you need help overcoming temptation, if you need help to get to know God more, if you need help reading his word, just ask God. Pray to God. It's so simple, yet we don't do it. Or we don't do it enough, should I say. I'm not going to label where we are with that. Pray to God and ask him to help you Turn to him for help and align your life with his will. He longs for this. So prayer, turn to God for help. And the second thing is that prayer is the way we actually turn to God to praise. Now, another basic point. But how often do we kind of like enjoy these blessings of God. You know, we live in this great country. You know, we've got a place to stay. We can go to university and study pretty much whatever you want, you know. You can hex it, you know, kind of like you don't have to pay it now. Just go into debt for the rest of your life, that kind of thing. But, you know, like there's, it's, we take it for granted. We take all these blessings for granted. And when we stop, and we verbalise it in a prayer or verbalise it in a song, we're just recognising rightly that our God needs to be praised for what he's done for us. So praise is our opportunity to just turn and praise him. 
Now the third thing is that you might be thinking that prayer is um, not that powerful. But verse 16 and 18 kind of say otherwise. See, verse 16 it says, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Powerful because, hey, we're praying to God here. And this is God's chosen means to accomplish things. So prayer is powerful and it's effective. It will do its job. Now, it's not like uh, my mother who used to try and whack me with a wooden spoon when I misbehaved. She'd get the wooden spoon out and she'd kind of whack me with a wooden spoon. It'd break or she just wouldn't have the kind of the forearm power. And it would just, I'd kind of just laugh. And my mum, it's a bit wrong. I, I tried to fake crying a bit later on to make her feel better. <laughs> or it's like Monty Burns. When Monty tries to hit and beat up someone on The Simpsons, you know, it's like all a bit lame. And, you know, I think some of us pray and we just think that this ain't, this ain't doing anything. But prayer is powerful. It's so powerful. And as we, uh, you know, you might go like, well, it's powerful. But maybe I'm not righteous, but check out Romans 5, um, verse 19. It says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, that's when Adam chose to reject God, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many were made righteous. That's Jesus dying on the cross for the sin of the world, making all those people who trust in him righteous. So if you've done that tonight, you're righteous. So the powerful prayer and the effective prayer belongs to you. The passage goes on and gives the example of Elijah, gives the example of an an Old Testament prophet that was used by God, who was a a still kind of failed God, still had kind of weaknesses, but was used by God and had powerful and effective prayer. So Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Wouldn't you say that's powerful and effective prayer? Now some of you are farmers out there right now, starting to smile, need a bit of rain. I don't think the point is so much about the power to control the weather or to do things to be impressive. I just think it's an illustration of the power and effectiveness of prayer. Now, when we pray as people, as righteous people, our prayer is this. Our prayer is powerful and effective. The question I want to ask you, though, what do you think the most amazing miracle is? Now, what do you think the most amazing miracle is? You know, is it that, whoa, control the weather? Pretty amazing. The stilling of a raging ocean, like uh, when Jesus stilled the ocean. Or the raising of a dead person to life. Let me suggest to you what I think an amazing miracle is. I think it's the moment when God makes a spiritually dead person alive again. I think it's the moment when he makes someone who's spiritually blind see. That is 
Maybe we take that for granted. Maybe we just go, that's not that amazing. But that is the most amazing thing to happen. Someone who rejects God, free will, just has, wants nothing to do with God, and they come to a living faith in Jesus. I think that's amazing. I think that is absolutely amazing. Now, I'm not saying don't pray for miracles like healing people and healing people from sickness and just terrible things. Like, pray for those. But don't not see how amazing the miracle is when someone comes to faith and that our prayers are effective for this. You know, have you experienced this yourself? Have you actually seen or been praying for someone and experienced the miraculous there? I know um, Michelle and I um, were trying to pray every night um, for a guy named Matt, for Michelle's cousin. And uh, it, this guy has got pretty much no Christian connection. He's not from a Christian family. And Michelle and I just thought, oh, well, let's pick out two people. Let's pick out a couple of people and we'll just pray for them, try and pray every night that they would meet Jesus. And, um, and then we found out, like, I don't know, about a year, year and a half later, that Matt had started going to church and he'd given his life to Christ. You know, and... I don't know where he is now. I don't know how he's going. He does struggle. But he's a guy that has come to faith. And I just think it's powerful and effective prayer. It is so powerful. And he's a guy who's come to faith. And it works too for us that if your life is not aligned to God and you want it, then God will use your prayer. It's powerful and effective. Okay, the last couple of verses... We're going to have a look at verse 19 and 20. It says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So from the verses that have preceded us, it's like the individual, yeah, like the individual get aligned by praying to God. Turn to God in prayer. In all situations, turn to God and pray. Talk with him. And now the attention's brought to our corporate responsibility. Now what do we do is, as people in the church about helping others stay lined up with God's will? Christian faith is not individualistic, although God does love us as individuals. So it's a great little picture. You've got someone who decides to stray a little bit. You know, they stop following Jesus and they start following something else. And it says, but if you manage to bring him back, turn him back to the truth, you're saving him from death. In the process, you'll cover over a multitude of that person's sin when they come to forgiveness. So it's our corporate responsibility to actually help others stay aligned. It's kind of a picture, isn't it, of a believer after having a dry spell doing their own thing, finding forgiveness in Christ again. You know, a few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to chat with someone and they'd been just wandering from the truth a little. You know, enjoying life without God, trying to enjoy life without God. You know, maybe getting into a few things that, you know, was kind of leading them away, trying to find truth somewhere else away from Jesus. And we were chatting about the need to put Jesus back in the right place, put Jesus as the priority in your life. 
That was what we were chatting about. You know, in a sense, trying to bring, bring this person to see the truth again. And, you know, it was an amazing moment. We were chatting. You know, we were kind of, uh, we started to pray. And then we started to cry. And uh, they submitted themselves back to God's will again. And our tears of joy, of the relief, and tears of just finding forgiveness again. You know, I wonder, is there a brother or sister around you that you need to lovingly encourage back to the truth again? I wonder, who is that for you? Um, And just kind of looking at a couple of areas that I think that they're quite common, common places where uh, young people uh, are tempted to go to and where we need turning from. Places that aren't evil necessarily, but where Satan beckons us to kind of go further. Now, I'll just talk two things. The first one is alcohol, and the second one is relationships with the opposite sex. Now, alcohol and relationships, I reckon that Satan is always beckoning us to do more. Do more than what God actually wants us to do. Always. I think it's so real and powerful. It might be like this. It's all right. Have another drink. You're not that drunk. And you're not as drunk as that guy over there. Or it might be, it's all right. It's all right to kiss her. You know, it doesn't matter if you don't intend to marry her. It's fun. It's not going to hurt him. Hey, it's all right to go a little bit further with this guy. feels nice and it's natural and I think, I think I love him. I love her. No one's looking. There are more problem places that draw us away from the truth, but there are a couple of really regular ones, regular kind of, kind of alluring Things that kind of take us away from the truth. Now, if that's even you, let me encourage you now. You know, if you have to switch off your brain or push, switch God, if you like, off out of your brain or kind of push him to some dark spot in your mind somewhere, I'm not sure where it actually might be over here. If you have to push God kind of out of your, kind of like your immediate thoughts, so you can continue with what you're doing, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. You should probably stop and get out of there. You should probably do that straight away. If we, if you're doing these things, and I, I guarantee you, the pain I talked about before from being out of alignment, I guarantee you feel that. And I, you might feel it like this. I feel like I don't feel that close to God at the moment. You might, it might be, I don't feel like going to church at the moment. I don't feel like going to a small group at the moment. I don't feel like reading the Bible. You certainly don't feel like praying. You probably just feel like a hypocrite and you probably feel condemned. So if that's you, come back and ask for forgiveness. And he is faithful to forgive you. Do you have a close brother or sister uh, that is wandering from the truth? James says if you bring them back, 
You will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. I don't think he's saying it either. He's not saying you have to do it. He's not saying that. He's saying, why wouldn't you want to help your brother or your sister stay in line with the will of God? Why wouldn't you? Help them find that sweet forgiveness in the welcoming embrace of Jesus. So individually, we turn to God in prayer and corporately we help others um, stay aligned, stay turned to God. And I've really trashed my back over the years doing silly things. I always think that there's probably no rocks at the bottom of the water. And uh, over the years, uh, my back, would you believe, has got slightly weak. And if I think hard, I can kind of remember the words of my wise dad uh, trying to warn me about these kind of fun adrenaline-based activities. Or when I pick something up, you know, bend your knees, Phil, and I'd go, okay, yeah, but kind of whatever, you know, it's not going to happen to me. That's the Aussie bloke thing, isn't it? Aussie person thing. And then one day my back completely spazzed itself <laughs> and just ripped me apart, basically. And when it did, when it did, no, I was humble pie. I was crying out for help everywhere. <laughs> call a physio, call a chiropractor. No, I didn't do that. Wife's a physio. It's a bit of weird vibes between chiros and physios. Call a massage therapist. Go to the, get a CAT scan. I'll do whatever. I just want to get my back sorted out. It was far too painful to kind of just sit in it. And then the amazing feeling of when you kind of get realigned. It's just great. And now I'm like this kind of healthy back advocate. So if you've got a back problem, come to me. I'll tell you some ideas about who to go and seek help from. And it's like I've been converted, you know, to the back advocate kind of society or something. I just want to warn people. I just want to help people find alignment. That's just the back. As we draw to the end of the sermon series on James, he understands the importance of us being aligned with the will of God. To personally see the importance of praying in every situation. Every situation is an opportunity to kind of turn towards God. And corporately, to our uh, responsibility or opportunity to help others stay along with God. You know, I wonder how you're doing tonight. I wonder how you're doing. Is this you in your spiritual faith? And someone asks you, how are you going? <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. Very good. Is that, is that you tonight? Do you need to turn to God and pray and ask him for help and ask him for forgiveness tonight. Do you need that tonight? You might not uh, have met Jesus. You might not have even given your life to him tonight. But that's exactly the prayer you need to pray, that you need help from God. That's if you feel like God's drawing you to that place tonight. He wants you to find forgiveness in him. He wants you to turn to him and find fuller life. I'm just going to um, close in prayer. But what I'm going to do is just uh, leave a moment's silence. Because I don't know about you, but 
maybe you're feeling like, I, need to, I actually need to pray to God now. I need to actually turn to him and ask him for help in some area. So I'm just going to, there will be a, a silence there. Some of you will be very uncomfortable with that. Um, some say that, yeah, silence, it sounds like it's a long time. It seems like it's a long time, but it might just be 20 seconds. So it won't be that painful. But just to have some silence for you to pray with yourself. Pray in your mind. Pray silently just to God. And then I'll uh, close for us. Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we cry for help. Uh, we just want to uh, be aligned with your will, Lord, in all areas of our life. God, I ask that you would search each and every one of us and show us where we are kind of a bit out. And Lord, help us to turn to you in prayer. Father God, I thank you that you are... Uh, that you offer complete forgiveness um, in Jesus, that you uh, just see us as holy and pure when we come to you and, and ask for forgiveness. And Lord, I just pray that uh, tonight you would uh, just enable us to, to live for your glory, to live aligned with your will and to see every opportunity, whether it's a trouble or a joy, uh, to turn to you in prayer. And uh, Lord, would you also help us to love our brothers and sisters and to know the words to speak to encourage them to turn to you, Lord. And we ask in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.